Shepherding Chaos, the Retail 247 podcast. Embracing change in the world of retail tech. Hello and welcome to episode three of Shepherding Chaos. My name is Martin Schofield and I'm the CEO of Retail 247. Today, we're again joined by Alan Morris, one of the original founders of Retail Assist and now a non-exec director of Retail 247. Today, I thought we'd talk about one of my pet hates that I've seen throughout my career, the statement IT and the business. My opinion is that IT, done correctly, is a fundamental, fundamental part of any business and should act as such. There are definitely two types of IT function, though. Those that fix the PCs, which I grant is an essential need, and those that also embrace and lead business change. IT is one of the few functions that has the opportunity to see process end-to-end, to see the impact of change in Department A and the change impact that has on Department B, and so on. Since my career started, where you see we have seen technology take on an even more fundamental role. Digital growth has seen technology set the customer service agenda and as such the custodians of that process have an even more vital role to play. Now, Alan, you've uh, been exposed to many retail organisations. You've seen IT done well and you've seen IT done not so well, I assume. I guess, without naming too many names, let's uh, share what you've seen. Um, Yeah, okay, without naming too many names, right. Probably Uh, the odd name. Yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, let's try to uh, hold that back for the end. Um, I, I think where I've seen done particularly well uh, is where there is uh, where people see the business as something that every department contributes towards. So it's not you can't have a situation of IT and the business because IT has got to be fulfilling its role to drive the business forward. So. If you look at the uh, the people a company employs as the company and the business is what they're trying to achieve to objective, the situations where I've seen it done well, IT done well, is where people recognise that. And I had one particular example where everything the IT department did, whether it was looking for a new system, whether it was starting a new project, an internal development project, whatever it might be, started with a business objective in mind. It didn't start with the technology need, it started with the business objective. Um, for in, in this day and age, given the reliance that businesses, that, uh, that companies have on, on technology to do their business, then it's, um, it's absolutely uh, imperative that uh, everybody involved actually is working towards a, towards a common goal. So to answer your question, that's when it's done well. When it's not done well is where I the IT department has its own strategy where the IT department has its own goals and objectives. And there's a belief for the IT director that it's aligned with the business needs and requirements. And I've seen so many projects fail because actually they're not aligned. And in a way, and maybe we could explore this in a short while, is alignment between what the IT department does and the business? Is it something that could actually be achieved if the departments aren't converging together towards common objectives? I'd take it a step further, Alan. I mean, in, in, in that intro, and thanks for that, you've talked about IT and the business numerous times there. Um, and I just think IT functions have to act like they're already part of the business and be prepared to drive and lead. You know, they want to seat at the boardroom table and, and often have, 
Um, although I've seen that tail away slightly. Um, but yet they go talk about the need to replace hardware and that just doesn't grab people's attention. You they really have to talk about business impact and business opportunity, not just routers and servers. Routers and servers and replacement of hardware should be a natural byproduct of implementing systems that add business benefit. And I think IT, back to my earlier point, having seen end-to-end and the opportunity that exists by cohesive process end-to-end now is, is best placed to, to suggest how things can improve. And, and really, they just have to start acting like they are a fundamental part of the business. They are. I, 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 to widen this out for a moment and then to bring it back in again, how many retailers have, uh, have you worked for that you would say, or experienced, would you say, have an absolute clear vision for their future with a strategy uh, in place that the whole company engages with so that everything that they do to drive the business forward is driving towards achieving that vision? Yeah, none. Well, um well, that's slightly harsh. I mean, re- retail is fundamentally by nature very reactive, uh, and, and you can't have a hard and fast strategy as a result of the fact that there are so many influencing factors. Um, working for Burberry was probably the best long-term vision. It was a time in the early 2000s when Burberry was going from has-been UK brand to global super brand, and that was very much the business objective. Everything was aligned to having product that was uh, moving to the high end was de-emphasizing the Czech presence on that product. Um, I've had one or two blips on that process. Um, but but it was about clear vision and everybody was bought into that growth of the brand. But retail in, in general uh, is, is just too reactive to have that detailed long-term view. Um, taking it slightly further, when you yeah. talked about... Sorry, Alan. Uh, sorry, just to step in for a moment there. Yep. Burberry um, were at that particular time. I remember. I remember it well. Um, but Burberry were extremely successful at that point, and that's because all of the departments within the within the company were all pulling together towards a common objective. Now, at that uh, yeah, with a strong with strong leadership guiding it. Yeah, but at that point, were did anybody inside the Burberry bubble? ever turn around and say IT is not aligned with the business? Um, I can't specifically remember, but I'm sure it was. I mean, I, I, I was placed looking after the IT for the retail side of the operation. Uh, and as such, I sat on you know various retail boards um, as the, the person that was offering technology support to those initiatives. And I think I was, you know, if I pat myself on the head, I think we were very much aligned and treated as part of the retail operation rather than part of the IT operation. To the point that I, was, I was even in the IT, the retail building rather than the IT building. Um, and, and just by acting like and making relationships with, you know, key bits of the of, of other business players, people that had a direct impact on trade, you were taken seriously. I mean, to the point I went out on, on you know, a couple of the buying trips just to experience the sort of um, overall process, but more importantly, the technology issues they might face as part of that process. So, yeah, I think if you act like it, then you're often welcomed into the fold rather than kept at arm's length. That's my, that, that's my point. I, I think, yeah, going back to your question, where have I seen it done well? Well, that is one example where I've seen it done well, and, and it's done well because the business does have a vision. I mean, I'll take on board your, your comments about retail businesses needing to be reactionary, but actually, I, I, I I still think any business, whether it's an IT supplier or whether it be a retailer or, or any any business or <laughs> any any organisation trying to achieve something, they have to have something they're aiming for. And 
Yeah, global. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Global brand exposure is is a that that that's a vision. I honestly, at the moment, so for example, with you know a lot of retailers would say our vision at the moment, our objective at the moment is to get through the, the um, get through the um, coronavirus uh, pandemic. But, but there's got to be something beyond that. that. There has to be something beyond that. What are you trying to achieve? Because then what you're trying to achieve will drive everything else out across the company. And because you're trying to achieve a common view that everybody's engaged with, then the, and, and again, the IT department will come to the fore by offering solutions that are actually in keeping with hitting the objectives that will mean that the vision will be achieved. If you don't have that, then I can't see that the IT department will ever feel part of the company. And there'll always be this misalignment between the efforts IT put in, which are considerable. I mean, it's hard work working in an IT department. I mean, it is really hard. Yeah, but every, every department would say that, of course. No, but it is, though. It is hard work. And it is hard work working in any department. It is hard work working in the IT department. And there's very little thanks to be had. But when you can get it right, like you mentioned, yeah, Burberry, then yeah, there are there are there are plaudits. There, there is uh, there's job satisfaction. Everybody feels engaged. Everybody feels as one, and that's got to be the panacea for how businesses go forward. There's no you just cannot have the IT department as a separate part of your company that you expect to deliver. Um, if, I agree, but my my, only, my my point is that to, to get out of that trench, the IT departments need to act like it and 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 lever themselves up from that trench rather than just wait to be pulled up. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think I was lucky enough. I was lucky enough in my very early career in, in technology, um, the Burden Group in Debenhams, um, to work for. Well, I guess looking back, one of a, an early function that really. Um, thought itself as part of the business. A guy called Martin Chatwin um, was my IT director at the time. He gave me my first job in in technology, trainee analyst programmer, moved me to London um, and set me off on a path of, of where I am today. But I've spoken to a number of people who worked with, with for him, with him, uh, at my side, and, and we all look back at that period of time that uh, really set us off on the right path. He He treated everything as business-led rather than technology-led. So we, we did things and worked with the business in a way that, um, you know, technology was just a component of the greater good, the, the whole as such. And, and that, that's, that's, that's what it's got to be. I mean, it's got to be part... In itself, IT is not the answer to, to anything in retail. It's part of the greater good, which is actually the answer to a business objective. And, and I, I met, uh, I've met Martin uh, before and um, many years ago, uh, but he reminded me of this uh, guy, you know, Phil Davis, who was the IT director of, of Adams and, and prior to that at, uh, at Sports Division. And there's one thing to be said to me about Phil is that unlike, um, or Phil you say rather, that he said you get two types of, uh, of IT directors. You get one that knows the price of everything and then you get the ones who know the value of nothing. And uh, and I didn't really understand what he meant by that at the time, but the more I worked with him, then the more I realised, because he actually, every time we came forward with a, uh, with a, with a project, he'd say, how much is this likely to cost? Give me a ballpark figure. And the reason he wanted a ballpark figure was he knew what the business value actually was. He knew how much the business was either going to save or make because of this uh, this this 
project. And his first rule of thumb was, well, yeah, if uh, if it's going to cost more, if I depreciate that cost over three years, I'm not getting back double or three times the value. There's no point in doing it. But to actually be able to do that, you've actually really got to understand what difference, whatever it is you're working on, will make in a business. And And there are very few... IT directors who can actually do that. Yeah, I, let's, let's let's take a slight segue. IT um, and and to be able to do that properly, you need to be you know a seat at the head table. You need to be a, a director um, and and have your voice heard. Um, the IT directors, CIOs, we change the title over the time. We've reported to FDs. We've had direct board uh, room table um, presence. I don't know what your, your view on that. I mean, my personal view is obviously this should be a... The, the move between IT director and CIO is a good one. It, it, it gives it... The word IT just implies techie. Um, and I think the CIO is a good change. But we also see, need the CIO to be you know, a boardroom presence in their own right and not, with, not report through another function. Oh. Um, well, but we, we seem to be, in some instances, we seem to be going back to a world where IT reports through finance. Oh, yeah, well... Uh, it reports through finance because historically IT has only ever really been seen as a, as a budget line item. Yeah, it's never been seen as something that contributes to uh, sales or profit, which is it, it's wrong. really wrong. And, and again, the challenge, yeah, a good CIO should be able to contribute more at boardroom level than the... Uh, the, the bits and bytes technology layer. Yeah, they've got to be a really good business systems person. Because going back to your opening uh, salvo, where you talked about the uh, the people in the uh, in the IT department being having a helicopter view of the whole business, that's very true. Yeah, you look at specialists uh, in merchandising or specialists in logistics, but actually a good business analyst or uh, a good person who works within the uh, in the technology team actually does understand the process end to end at least at high level they understand the process end to end agreed and then when you do get to the boardroom table you need to start talking about business impact and business opportunity not the routes and service thing i mentioned so it's about being credible and being empathic to the overall plight of your your organization uh, and not just being focused on uh, you know, things that are, are plumbing, if you like. So why do you think, I mean, okay, th- there's a challenge there for the CIO to, uh, to to stand forward and to contribute more. But do you, do you think that CEOs um, and the, the rest of the senior management teams in the retailer, why don't they, because there aren't really that many CIOs who actually are performing at the, uh, at the, at the top level. They always seem to be one step removed. Yeah. Why? Why don't? Why doesn't the CEO realise it's absolutely imperative to have somebody with that background? That that that's. Yeah, I think I think good ones do. I think I don't know. There's probably a number of factors at play. I, I, I suppose historically, IT isn't a profession as such. You know, your your you're head of finance is an accountant. Your head of legal is a lawyer. Um, your, your IT function tends to be people who've not necessarily gone through that um, formal, I would say formal, but you know, education process to, to achieve a certain thing. They are just intelligent people. So, so there's the there's the there's the sort of 
slight unknown the CEO might have as to what a CIO should be. Um, and there's the piece I mentioned, you know, numerous times already about when you are there or when you talk to the CEO, you have to talk at a business level. You're not talking about fixing things or, you know, firewalls. You're talking about how technology can make an impact on trade and how you and you've seen opportunities for efficiency improvement. Yeah. So there's so there's there's understanding there's credibility, uh, and then obviously there's delivery. I, I will agree with you on a point that you said IT is just hard. You know, yes, delivering projects, change projects is hard because fundamentally people don't like change, and, and you end up with inevitably with a period of hatred and despair at the end of any project, um, regardless of how well you've done it. And the measure of how successful that project is 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 its is the length of time it takes to transition into business as usual and, and to be accepted by people as a better way of doing things. So, yeah, you, you've got a, a combination of, as I said, you know, the unknown, the, the, the way you put yourself across, and the fact that inevitably you're going to have some failures. You know, technology changes very rapidly. It, it is very complicated, and it is a complex process to implement. Therefore, CEOs need to be aware of that or educated to be aware of that such that you're working together to deliver what's best for the business. Yeah, well, there's a lot of talk about innovation and... Uh, yeah, but, people, but at the end of the day, so, oh, sorry to add to that, people are individuals, you know, there's no prescriptive way of saying the FD talks to the IT director in this tone of voice and the, and the CEO must do this, this and this. People are fundamentally individuals and you've got to work with what you, what you find yourself talking to, what you find yourself working with. So, you know, if somebody likes words said in certain ways then that's what you do you you play with the audience you have yeah but that, that's just a standard empathetic uh, uh, approach you you have to take in any situation it's true but it's it's one that's overlooked you know the number of times that i get salespeople who, who i've been chatting to and they say you know well you know who, who are we going to send this email out to which is it the it director or the, or the finance director and i say well but, you know, you, you can't be that prescriptive. It depends. Some organizations, the FD will have oversight of IT. Sometimes they won't understand the first thing about it. Sometimes an IT director will be more focused on fixing the firewalls than he is on leading business change. So you have to understand the individuals that are playing rather than the titles. I did get, yeah, I've been thinking as we've been talking, well, yeah, it's, it's all very, yeah, we, we can... A lot of people, yeah, it's easy to add to what the problems are. You know, we should spend a bit of time talking about what, what the likely solutions would be. You know, what could you do to make things uh, to make things better? Because there's got to be yeah, there's got to be a way forward, isn't there? And I think uh, to, for me, yeah, a company has to think differently about the way it's going to do business. Because I, I still see many ways in which retail companies are operating now in the same way as they did in the 1990s. They might they might use slogans differently, but actually fundamentally they operate the same way. But the market's changed massively, and it, it is going to continue to uh, it's going to continue to change. Yeah, I was chatting with somebody last Thursday that said, "Well, yeah, why does uh, why do projects why do projects fail? Uh, yeah, is it because the requirement process isn't definitive enough? Are we using the wrong methodologies?" And I said, "No, the problem is that you know, retail requirements are only ever indicative; they're never prescriptive because they're never explicit, rather because because nobody really knows what they want." Yeah, nobody really knows what they want. So how can you create a, a structure, an organisational structure that is focused on a vision, mindful of the vision you need to course adjust? And one 
And we 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 discussed this not not on uh, one of these podcasts, but at another time about maybe uh, the breaking down of silos in business. So actually, you have multidisciplinary teams working together. So actually, you don't have the IT department. You have somebody who's you know, from an IT background, but sitting alongside a merchandiser or sitting alongside a logistics person every day working as if that everything that's done is a is a is a change if that makes sense yeah no and you know it department's done well should be doing that as a matter of course and should be building those relationships well, uh, i guess i guess the counter to that, that you know if, if you're doing large projects you often second people from yeah. the business thing. And, they, and, they, okay. and they work uh, they, they work well I, I think you know although projects are tough and that they fail for other reasons when you've got a good team of people working together so if you're doing a, uh, a merchandise replacement uh, system replacement project the fact you've got merchandisers sitting alongside business analysts sitting alongside systems analysts and finance people coming in and, and everybody contributing actually you get this real togetherness and this real time when the business there is a convergence of all the skills experiences passion everything comes together to deliver a common objective and that works well unfortunately as soon as the project's finished which mm. they want to go back they will go back to their own way and they start working in silos again well that's right. actually they often you find they don't want to go back and they become so project focused rather than day-to-day business focused that's a sort of consequential yeah, but, uh, downside sometimes so i don't know what you mean yes they, they've got a They've got to take and spread the word as well as. as well. Shouldn't we see? Shouldn't we see business going forward? Shouldn't companies see business going forward as a project? Yeah. So basically, everybody's a company-wide project that everybody's contributing towards, and it's the vision. It's delivering that vision. It's that go back to Burberry of having the uh, the global brand project, and it lasts for as long as we become a global brand, and then we set another vision for. Yeah, whatever the next vision might be, and everybody's still working together. So the business works as a project, and as part of that project, there is also the keeping the lights on a bit. So yeah, it's raising skews, raising approach to orders, making sure the systems don't fail. And the invoices, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's that's the the approach that actually the business splitting, the, splitting that that's commoditized versus the, the, yeah. that, that's, that's you need two layers, one layer of people who are keeping the business keeping the uh, the business running, and you've got one layer of people who are driving the business forward. But actually, the the the, the traditional department they come from is irrelevant. It's all about the skills you need to achieve a certain. Yeah. In fact, yeah. In fact, I tried to uh, change the IT function at Harvard Nichols um, towards the latter half of my tenure, and we, we started talking about it as two two different things. To, to validate your point, we talked about it as the the business improvement side of, of the function and the business continuity side of the function. Hmm. So that exactly that those that spent the uh, the time keeping the, the day job going, keeping the lights on, and those that were constantly looking for for change and an, op- an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I think if you align yourselves and your staff and your approach to that, like, I certainly agree with that, yeah. yeah. But do it across the whole, do it across the yeah, whole. Yeah, do it broader. Mm. Yeah, do it broader than that. And, and yeah, that, that way you've, you've got this, um, yeah, you, you've brought all of your skills and experiences, all your uh, yeah. people together who can hit the objectives at the same time, making sure that whilst you're going off and, uh, and with loads of great ideas, you know, the world's not falling apart around you. Yeah, but you, but you use the tools you've got, don't you? And you use that from a from a 
working with the individuals, putting in place a, a, a approach that they empathise with. But also I found the small things sometimes, which you know, the, best, the best tool for keeping projects on track was often to buy people that were having problems, you know, getting the new iPhone or the latest BlackBerry. Um, you know, that, that sounds quite, um, quite simplistic in its approach, but it often worked. Yeah, yeah, it does, and uh, you know, I've seen some, uh, I've seen some really good work done by uh, by by teams of people from across the business on particular projects, and and to me, it was always a shame that, as I said before, the project came to an end, and you break down that that star chamber of uh, of, of expertise. Uh, to go back to doing what they always did, waiting for the next project to come along. You know, it's... Uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it's I mean, just to, just to counter my own argument for a second, I think I think you can go too far. I mean, when I joined Harvard Nichols, I was head of IT. I was promoted to IT and logistics director. Now, IT to logistics is a relatively straightforward move. It's a lot of common sense, moving parts, keeping things organised. Um, but then I was promoted again, um, to group retail operations director. So I ended up running the stores and international stores and online, um, as well as the other things. Um, and, you know, I did okay. Um, not as well as I'd done on IT logistics, I would imagine. And, and, and my, my level of contribution to actually running a store, yeah, if I was brutally honest, was I the right person for that? It's questionable. You know, I, I, I did the job, I did it quite well, but... Uh, you know, it was it was diluting my core logic IT logistics skills um, to perhaps a degree that you know somebody else would be in better place to do it. So I guess, I guess you can take it too far. That's my only point there. Well, that's uh, yeah, it's quite it's uh, that's a, that's an interesting uh, an interesting point. And I've had this debate a number of times over the years about whether yeah does somebody need to be completely skilled and experienced in the area that they're responsible for? And some people... No, no, no. no I agreed. Yeah. <clears throat> You're providing leadership and, and, and insight and, and all the rest of it. And empathy. But, yeah, the, fact that, the fact that I was promoted to, to you know, going to uh, New York Fashion every, every year, New York Fashion Week every year, sat on the front row of a fashion show, I'm not quite sure what I was contributing at that point. I was having a lot of fun, but, yeah. Were my IT skills being utilised to their fullest? Probably not. Yeah, but yeah, but it's interesting, isn't it? When you look at the appointments that a lot of uh, um, you know, listed uh, retailers make, the person they bring in to run the company, there's quite often situations where the person's got absolutely zero retail experience whatsoever. Yeah, their only retail experience is uh, is being a customer, which actually, in a way, I suppose, is a valuable experience to have. But you then have to rely on that building teams around you and actually really looking for people who have got the skills you don't have. You know, I mean, you know, Retail 247, you, you aren't the best computer programmer retail 247 yeah well, you're not the best business analyst in retail 247 at least that's what the team tell me <laughs> <laughs> but the, the reality is you are you are leading it and you are leading teams of people yeah in your role in the roles that people get you don't have to be the best person no. You transition, you transition into learning Brings that it, other people yeah. do it better and you, and you, you and know, I, use them to for the best of their abilities and i think the uh you know, the, the, the requirement for a leader 
is yeah, the best leaders are the ones who have got real sort of self-awareness. They're the ones who realise what they can do and realise what they can't do and realise where they need to bring people in. But actually, the best leaders are the ones who can hold a vision about what you're trying to achieve and then work with people who have got the skills and experiences to achieve that. You know, there's this phrase that uh, has been used many times in um, in IT. I was going to say people are using it about me, but I don't, I don't think so because I've never been that technical. But you, know, you reach your position of incompetence in technology because you start working as a programmer. You become the best programmer. You then become a moderate team leader. And by the time you get to be IT director, you can become completely incompetent. <laughs> Incompetent. Incompetent. Because actually that's not what you're about. So another facet for a CIO maybe would be do you how much technology experience do you really need? You just need to know that people aren't pulling the wool over your eyes and you need to, to pull together a good team and but you need to hold the vision about what the company are trying to do. Yeah, and not dive into the minutiae level of detail. You need to leave the detail to the people who can actually fix the detailed problems or come up with the detailed solutions. And rely on those people to tell you. And rely on those people and trust them and manage them and, and, and lead them. You know, being a leader doesn't mean that you uh, you have to do all the work yourself. I mean, I remember, yeah, from my personal experience years ago, running a uh, running a. Um, a project with, uh, with when I have a company called uh, Compass, and you know, we were working in this one particular. Uh, I mean, it was many, many years ago. It was a COBOL project, so it's that long ago. And I was so I came home on Friday night, so full of problems. My head was so full of problems. <clears throat> on Saturday, I woke up and I went to went into town, went to Warsaw, and bought myself a book to teach yourself how to do COBOL programming because I thought I need to understand a lot more about the detail of COBOL programming to resolve these problems. But then I started to read the thing. I just don't, my mind doesn't work like a computer program. I can't do this. But then you start thinking, well, actually, that's not the role of a, that's not the role of a leader. And, and when we talk about CIOs, which we've been talking about for a while now, maybe the best CIOs are the ones who can't actually fix the programs. Yeah. No, I wouldn't disagree, and that's probably... I don't you think you were a really good programmer as well, though, don't you? I was, I was. I don't even Anyway, I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point to round up our debate. Yeah. I, think, I, think I think fundamentally we're agreeing on those things there. You know, IT should be a fundamental part of a modern retail business. Um, it is in a lot of cases. It's, it's increasing because of the modern um, move to digital, etc., um, but IT leaders need to not only hold the vision and share the vision with um, the rest of the business and the overall teams at play, they need to act like it. So that's a good place to finish for this week, Arne. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Martin. Shepherding Chaos, the Retail 247 podcast. Join us next time for more tech views and insights from the people who know.